Well, we have learned that Romans divides into two sections. Chapters 1 to 11 is all about doctrine. Chapter 12 onward is the practical application. And I think you learn from this the vital importance of application. You know the difference between a lecture and a sermon. A lecture gives you a whole bunch of truths or facts and just leaves them hanging. Do what you like with them. That's the lecturer. The preacher is called not to abandon truth, but to take that truth and persuade men and women to do the will of God. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and I trust that today the Lord will bless as we again open the book and preach the Word. Our message today is in Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice. Someone said that it's one thing to be willing to die for Christ, another to be willing to live for Him. And today we're going to be digging in and what it means to be a living sacrifice for the Lord. We have a Luther lesson and then our hymn, A Mighty Fortress, and I pray that God will use His Word in your heart today. Let's go straight to that Luther lesson on indulgences. Salvation for seal. From the year 1502, John Tetzel uninterruptedly fulfilled the office of dealer in indulgences. To him, all means were good that filled his treasure chest. Raising his voice and displaying the eloquence of the Montebank, he offered his indulgences to all comers and knew better than any tradesman how to extol his wares. Our historian begs us to listen to one of the harangues Tetzel delivered after the elevation of the cross. Indulgences, said he, are the most precious and the most noble of God's gifts. This cross, pointing to the red cross, has as much efficacy as the very cross of Jesus Christ. Come, and I will give you letters, all properly sealed, by which even the sins that you intend to commit may be pardoned. I would not change my privileges for those of St. Peter in heaven, for I have saved more souls by my indulgences than the apostle by his sermons. There is no sin so great that an indulgence cannot remit. And even if any one, which is doubtless impossible, had offered violence to the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, let him pay, only let him pay well, and all will be forgiven him. Reflect then, for every mortal sin you must, after contrition and confession, do penance for seven years, either in this life or in purgatory. Now, how many mortal sins are there not committed in a day, a week, how many in a month, and how many in a year, how many in a whole life? Alas, these sins are almost infinite, and they entail an infinite penalty in the fires of purgatory. And now, by means of these letters of indulgence, you can once in your life and afterwards in the article of death obtain a plenary or full remission 
of all your penalties and all your sins. But more than this, said he, indulgences avail not only for the living, but for the dead, for that not even repentance is necessary. Priest, noble, merchant, wife, youth, maiden, do you not hear your parents and your other friends who are dead, and who cry from the bottom of the abyss? We are suffering horrible torments. A trifling arms would deliver us. You can give it, and you will not. At the very instant, continued Tetzel, that money rattles at the bottom of the chest, the soul escapes from purgatory and flies liberated to heaven. The truth is that the Lord offers salvation freely, without money and without price. Isaiah 55 verse 1, Ho, every one that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat, yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. And the apostle James said, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot. 1 Peter 1.18, verse 19. I trust that today that you might cease from seeking to purchase salvation, to receive the gift that it is without money and without price, by the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross. Stand a moment, Father. We do want. 
to be living sacrifices. We want to lay our all upon the altar today, but Lord, we are weak. We are in these bodies with the nature that is obstinate to God, and we need a sanctifying work to be done in us. We need a new consecration. We pray that today that you'll work that in us by your Word and Spirit, and that the preaching of thy Word today will lead every brother, sister, young person into the will of God, and help us to do it with all our hearts. We ask this and pray this earnestly. We ask for the Holy Spirit to come. Fill me, Lord. Help me. Bless your people by your Spirit now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we have learned that Romans divides into two sections. Chapters 1 to 11 is all about doctrine. Chapter 12 onward is the practical application. And I think you learn from this the vital importance of application. You know the difference between a lecture and a sermon. A lecture gives you a whole bunch of truths or facts and just leaves them hanging. Do what you like with them. That's the lecturer. The preacher is called not to abandon truth, but to take that truth and persuade men and women to do the will of God. And that's exactly the pattern we see here in Romans 11, 1 to 11, and then into chapter 12, where Paul, in this passage, he says, Now, if you understand what Christ has done for you, if you understand that you are no longer being saved by your works, your self-performance, that it is Christ's death, His propitiatory sacrifice, His blood shedding on that cross, that makes you a child of God and will guarantee your entrance into heaven, no more condemnation, and that you have all the mercies of God flowing into your life because of Calvary and the bleeding, dying of Christ, the Son of God. If that has gripped your heart, if that's what motivates you as a Christian, then Paul says, I beseech you by the mercies of God. Lay your life as a, a living sacrifice upon the altar of service. You can no longer serve self. You must now consecrate your life as a living sacrifice to God. Now, I have endeavored with all the help that I can find uh, by prayer, by study, by my own earnest seeking, how do we define, how do you come to grip with this, this figurative language of laying our bodies on an altar as a living sacrifice? And we have come to these three main points, that it will require that we have a gospel mind. We must be uh, controlled by our thinking about the cross work of Christ. That's a gospel mind. We must also be controlled by the Bible. That's a biblical mind. And then as we go down into verse 3, we learn we also need a humble mind. Now, you'll notice the link-up 
This is not a new subject. This is the Apostle Paul in his very typical manner, stating, proving, and then working it into the lives and hearts of his reader. That's application. And you'll notice how verse 3 begins. For I say. Now, you have to think about the, the link up here. Very important. These are not just random things that are coming up. They are premised upon the fact that we are motivated by the mercies of God, that we are being renewed, transformed by our biblical minds. And then he comes to, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Note, too, that he's saying this to every man. Nobody can opt out. If you believe in the Bible, that this is God's Word, and you're a Christian who wants to follow the Bible, you can't opt out. Every man, everyone who will claim to be a Bible reader, Bible follower, this includes you. The tendency is to sort of opt out because, well, God's not calling me to be a missionary. God's not calling me to be some, do some heroic task. But you will see that this is the general will of God for every Christian. You don't have to apply to men, women, young people, older saints. Every man is included right here. Then what is this sober thinking? It's to have a sound and seeing thinking. Seeing thinking. Did you know that in the Church of Christ there's madness going on? Absolute insanity. People claiming to follow the Lord and serve the Lord, and you look at where they're going, it is absolute madness. And there are some young people, and they get it into their head that God is calling them to do certain things, and it's crazy. They need a sober mind. Now, the apostle takes a lot of space to expound and apply this thinking in the remainder of this chapter. And it is my absolute conviction, after spending long hours in this chapter, that everything that comes right down to the end of this chapter is the application of having a humble mind. It is the practical outworking. And many of them are exceedingly difficult. They are contrary to the flesh. They're contrary to our human desires. They are things that many of us would rather run away from, but they become the practical outworking of the Christian life as a living sacrifice. Now, allow me to take up a few of them. I'm not going to try and expound every detail in this, but let me take up a few of them. And if I pray to be a living sacrifice, that's my prayer. Lord, let me have a surrendered life and live a sacrificial life for God. Then these are the things that I must take note of. The first one here in verse 3 the first thing to notice, that as a living sacrifice with humility, 
You need to remember that we're all cut to size. Verse 3. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, all our gifts and all our talents come from God, but there's no two of us with the same gifts and the same talents. We have all got them in various degrees and measure. Some of them are our weaknesses, and others, they are their strengths. But let us not all think that we have all, all of the time. It's like the man who tried after successfully going to the well with two buckets, tries to do it with three, and you can just see the problem. He's got these two peels, one on each arm and hand, and he's walking very successfully, and he sees this other bucket. Oh, I could take three. And so he dips it into the well, and he tries to carry three. And this arm is breaking. This arm is unbalanced. And the third bucket becomes the, the downfall. And how often that happens to a Christian. They begin to think more highly than they ought to think, and they enter into ideas and grandiose notions that end up becoming their downfall. So the first part of being a sober mind, seeing thinking, humility, is that I'm cut to size, and I ought not to think that I am greater than really God has equipped me. The next thing in verses 4 and 5 to remember in humility is that each Christian is one among many. Each Christian is one among many serving the Lord in the church. For we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office or function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Think of the bees that serve the queen in the nest. Uh, there may be hundreds and thousands of those bees, and they leave the nest, and they find the nectar. They come back to feed the queen and serve the queen. And that colony of bees becomes successful because every single bee does its task. They are one among many. And as Christians in the church, we must always be mindful of the many. And we must always work for the good of all. It's not all about me. It's not my way or the highway. It ought to be how may I dedicate, lay down my life for the service of the Lord's church, his people, which are many, and make my life a life of service to them. So Paul tells us to climb up on the altar of self-sacrifice, become a living sacrifice. Set aside your own agenda. Set aside your own preferences. Be willing to give up your own time and opportunities to serve the Lord and his church and his people. Think of the many that built Solomon's temple thousands of workers that went into the quarries to cut the stone. 
or the lumberjacks that went into the forest to cut the lumber and then to float it and draw it right to the mountaintop of Jerusalem that it may be built into the temple. Every man had his job, and everyone was serving the Lord to build the temple. And so the question now is, will you give up your own ambitions? Will you give up your own self-centered thinking that you might become a member among many to serve the Lord in his church? That's the challenge. And Paul says that's a very big part of becoming a living sacrifice. You know, the world would ask, why would you want to be identified with that church? Those people are odd. Those people are peculiar. Those people are holy. You're really narrowing yourself by being a part of that church fellowship. Well, that's a part of living the life of self-sacrifice. Then moving to verses 6 and 9, you will see that as a living sacrifice with humility, you're to remember we're to use our particular gifts to serve the body of Christ. Paul goes on here to talk about these differing gifts, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry, let us wait on our ministry, and he that teacheth on teaching. And then verse 8, exhorting, simplicity, ruling with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness, and then let love be without dissimulation. So we'll put all of those under the heading of the particular gifts that we should use. And Paul begins to list these differing gifts as they are to be used. And if you remember the parable the Lord taught of the, the man who was given ten talents, the man who's given five, and the man who's given one, and the one man, that the problem was not that he had just one gift. The problem was that he hid it. That was the problem. It's not that he said, well, this is so insignificant. Why bother? He hid it. If he had invested and used it as the others did in proportion to as was given him, he would have glorified and honored the master. Now, whatever gift God has given you, you have no right to bury it, whatever that gift is. Put another way, the church needs every gift that God bestows upon his people. You're not to be on the sidelines. You're not to refuse to use the gifts, the talents, the opportunities that God gives you in His service. It's going to cost. It's going to require time and effort and energy. But it's all part of living as a living sacrifice. See how it would be almost easier to be a martyr, to die once and it's all over? We're not called at this point to be martyrs. We're called to be living servants, sacrificial servants of the Lord Jesus. Six weeks ago, when Buell and I were back in Ulster, we visited a good number of churches. I preached in four or five different services. And uh, on a Sunday morning, the first Sunday in September, Sunday morning, we went to Armagh Free Presbyterian Church. 
Now, the city of Armagh is sort of the ecclesiastical capital of Ireland. It was the place where Patrick is said to have had his uh, HQ, and the Anglican Church has their cathedral there, the Roman Catholic Church has their cathedral, and as you look around the city on these various little hilltops, there are huge churches and spires, and right there, there is the Free Presbyterian Church. Now, Dr. Paisley, he used to boast that the Free Presbyterian site was higher than all the other church sites. I don't know, I, you could do that easily now with instruments, but uh, he certainly made that claim uh, without any compunction. And so it is true that as you go up to the church, it is a, a steep roadway and then a steep driveway up into the car parking lot, and then it plateaus at the top where the parking area is. Now, as usual, when you're a guest preacher, you're close to the last leaving after the service is over. And so when Beulah and I were driving out of that parking lot, heading down that steep driveway, we noticed one of the church elders. And he had under his arm a bundle of white communion tablecloths. And they had communion that morning. We sat back and enjoyed that. But here was an aged saint of God doing his little task. I'm not sure if he did it every time. I'm not even sure if he had a wife at home to wash those cloths. But it was evident to us there's someone doing his task. Just a little thing. But he did it and was following, going down that hill, well, with, with, with a little bit of difficulty. But he was going to do the task for the Lord. Verse 9, Paul said, without dissimulation, without dissimulation. It means with a genuine love, genuine love. It is the Greek word agape. It is that sacrificial love. It's the love, the same love that took our Savior to the cross. It was the love that he had for his church, his people, when he was willing to suffer in agony and bleed on that cross. I will do it for my people. That was the love that motivated him. And there ought to be at least a drop of that love in the heart of every Christian that wants to serve sacrificially, doing the least if he must, but doing it without dissimulation, without protest, without grumbling. Now, love hurts. It hurts to love. Did you know that? It's true when death comes, but we know it's better to have loved and lost than not to have loved at all. And it will hurt to love. And if you really love the Lord and you really want to serve Him, it's going to hurt. You've got to be willing to serve with all your heart. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca 
CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music